Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Ooh, yeah. You got something mean, Welcome back to another edition of Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, John, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Rob. I'm across the country, but I'm still here. Yeah, I'm getting it done. Uh, so we got yet another edition. Uh, lots to talk about with uh, Triple H and Stephanie. Uh, you know, continuing their power trip. Uh, you got some big show craziness. You got the roads back in the mix. Tag team stuff. Lots to talk about. We're in. Uh, we only got one more raw before the pay per view. So a lot of things need to be wrapped up here soon. Yeah, and it, it feels weird because it's a it's a different length pay-per-view cycle than uh, than everybody's probably used to, which makes this show a little different because it's you know it's right in the middle of everything and the the card hasn't really taken as much shape yet as I would hope, but uh, but I think we have some good things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I would be remiss if I don't mention at the top of the show if you have any questions, comments on what we're doing. You can reach us on Facebook at Guys Nation Wrestling. Uh, we have a fan page there. And then uh, wrestling at guysnation.com is the email. And GN Wrestling is the tweeter. Yeah. So please uh, let us know what you think. All right. So let's see. We start off raw with uh, Triple H and Stephanie. Um, they harken back to some of the stuff that went down on. SmackDown a little bit about, you know, the Shield and, uh, you know, they had a, a handicap match there. And so they go they go through the roster that had already, I guess, supposedly paid the price. They got they got them on the uh, on the stage. And um, I guess they, they kind of glossed over the SmackDown match a little bit and went ahead and said, you know, we thank you for being proactive, being men. Um and they basically, and Triple H kind of says, you know, I know you were fighting for, or I don't think you were fighting for Daniel Bryan, right? And then uh, RVD, of all people, steps up to say, yeah, that's what we were fighting for. What, what do you think of the fact that RVD is, is now suddenly a leader? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, definitely, uh, it was definitely unexpected, but I guess out of that whole group, you know, who are you going to have be the leader, I guess, but... Uh... He's a de facto leader because they're trying to push him as a uh, as a main eventer for the time being. Uh, he gets a lot of a lot of crazy pops from the crowd because you know he's got that popularity going on. And uh, I thought it was weird. Uh, definitely, you know, as a as a fan who uh, has been watching wrestling since before Rob Van Dam got into the business, you know, and having seen Rob Van Dam's entire career, it does feel it does feel kind of weird to see him. You know, as like, hey, I'm the I'm the voice of the fans. It's like yeah. not exactly what I'm expecting. And his timing was completely off. He like basically interrupted Triple H. 
but yeah, I mean, you look at who's on the on the stage there, and it's really between him and Dolph probably at that point. Right. And I guess they just, you know, the RVD is arguably bigger than Dolph right now. You know, he gets bigger pops, and he's, I guess, would have to be the one to talk. Yeah, they, they certainly weren't going to pick one of the Usos. And, uh, you know, I, I think it would have been great if uh, Titus O'Neil would have spoken up. But, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Well. Or Pancake Patterson, right? Uh, right, right. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then they, they kind of go down the list there of each guy. I was I was really hoping Triple H would forget one of the names. Like when he got to Justin Gabriel or something. Right. But but they uh you know, they they point out Dolph and say, you know, what are you fighting for? You know, this is a guy, Daniel Bryan, that's getting the opportunity that you should have. Um and then like our truth, you know, I can't even remember the last time you were in a title match. Uh so we're seeing this continued like kayfabe, you know, they're bringing it right out, you know, you know, all the realities of what these guys do. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I, you know, I was wondering how far they were going to go. Uh, they didn't. They didn't really get into our truth's whole, uh, you know, feud with John Cena. And I was, I was actually really hoping that they were going to mention, uh, you know, our truth. I, I seem to remember you holding the NWA World Championship back in the day. Where you've been since then, you know, because uh, he definitely held it in TNA uh, as, you know, as Ron the Truth Killings, but. Uh, you know, I thought I thought it, I thought it had an interesting feel to it because yeah I mean um, what they're doing is kind of weird in a way you know they're sticking up for a guy that they should be uh, trying to push out of the way but but then again you have to you have to appreciate the logic there of saying hey look we just want we just want the uh, the power trip to stop because if it if you weren't uh, if you weren't tripping on that guy you'd be tripping on all of us right. So, yeah, and that's that's pretty much what RVD said, and I think I think he delivered at least that message pretty well. It does make some sense. Um, and so then, you know, Triple H kind of says, you know, I know what you're really fighting against. Uh, it's been keeping you down for you know the whole friggin' year almost. Uh, and he goes ahead and points out the shield. Right. Were you we surprised right. at that? Yeah, I, I was really surprised at that, and and I thought it was really awkward because, you know, if if there's one if there's one set of people that uh, Triple H and Stephanie you know kind of have um, they if they owe their success to anyone it's the Shield right I mean the Shield has been the the faction that uh, has been their muscle you know it's they're the ones that you know are essentially keeping people from rushing the ring you know they're they're the the front guard right I mean for every for every uh, match that they help uh, Randy Orton through and put him in, you know, Triple H and uh, Stephanie actually have more more to owe to the Shield than anything, which just kind of felt awkward to me. And I, I thought when Triple H said it that he was joking. Right. And I think the Shield did too. They kind of started looking at each other. Like, is he being serious? Right. Um, but then, but then, uh, then he made the big announcement, and I was like, holy shit, he is serious. And why is he doing this? Right. 11 on 3 elimination handicap. Um, but he does throw some other things in there. Like, he, you know, Triple H starts to try to turn them against Daniel Bryan, right? Um, by saying, you know, your, your partner, you know, the 11th member is going to be Daniel Bryan, you know, because he feels he's better than all of you. 
And, you know, just throwing out little quips like that. You know, it's little subtle manipulations, I'm sure, that we're going to see more and more um, as they try to convince guys to get behind them, uh, you know, much like we saw later in the show with Big Show. Uh, feels like maybe that, that's kind of some of the angle this is going toward. Yeah, and, and I definitely got that vibe, but uh, for me, it didn't really work because essentially you're still just punishing the shield. I mean, even if, even if you know, those ten guys throw Daniel Bryan into the ring right at the very start and then they beat him down and the, they just let the shield eliminate Daniel Bryan, it's still a ten on three. Right. I still don't like those odds for the shield. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think the, the situation with the shield is different because, I mean, even though, like you said, they kind of owe some of their protection to the shield, obviously, but, you know, the shield have from day one been positioned as uh, mercenaries that don't necessarily work for anyone. They can change their mind at any time. Um, potentially, maybe Triple H and Stephanie are going to eventually think they don't need the shield anymore once they get the big show and other guys like that on board. Yeah, and I, I think that would be an interesting way to take the shield and uh, go ahead and turn them face at some point. Because, you know, the reality of the situation is you have three guys who, uh, you know, at, at, at the very least are passable on the microphone. You know, Roman Reigns probably uh, the least comfortable on the mic or the least talented on the mic, and he's passable. But uh, they're all great in the ring, you know, from for my taste anyway. Um, and Dean Ambrose is excellent on the mic. And from what I've heard of Seth Rollins, he's good on the mic. So, you know, they eventually uh, need a way to turn them face. So I think that would be the way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that, that's a huge part of, of being a face is being able to, to carry the mic. And, uh, you know, I wanted to point out, and we talked a little before the show, is just the amount of work the Shield has been doing is just staggering. I mean, they're literally involved in a major match every show, not just Raw. I mean, they're SmackDown as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, the pay-per-views. And I'm assuming they're all over the house shows. And this has been going on for almost a whole year with them. And they've right. they've managed to stay somewhat fresh. I mean, I guess there was a slight lull there before they got some belts where people were like, well, I'm kind of tired of the shield. Um, but they've kept them fresh. But, but I do think, as you're saying, you know, at some point they might need to go face. Because I think when you have guys with this talent, like you said, and also, you know, the amount of disdain the crowd has from them for them, that kind of thin line between love and hate, if they were to do something the crowd enjoys, they would start loving them immediately. You yeah. Know, it's just you just it would be such a relief to see that you no longer have the shield as these this albatross, these vultures that are, you know, attacking all the faces. Yeah, and I I think it actually works really well that they're involved in kind of this uh, new corporate angle. Um you know, on the side of uh, the McMahon-Helmsleys, whatever you want to call them, because they're cool, right? I mean, they do cool moves. They have cool looks to them, right? I mean, they're not wearing the standard, you know, short shorts and knee pads, right? I mean, they're wearing cool outfits. They come through the crowd. So there's almost the potential that uh, at some point they might uh, do like what happened with Dolph Ziggler where, they're trying to be healed, but the people like them enough that they're getting a face reaction. So it's good that the Shield is involved with this on the side that they are, mm. because if they weren't involved in it, 
they run the risk of turning face before uh, before the storylines warrant it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing we talked about, I believe it was last week, uh, you know, the possibility of them losing the belts at some point um, and whether or not we see a possibility of that happening before Battleground because they had already set in motion the idea of Dolph and, and Dean Ambrose continuing a feud and also the Usos were declared number one contenders. And we already saw that they they uh, they previewed a U.S. title match on SmackDown. Uh, so, you know, we're not looking at spoilers yet. We don't know if that's really gone down uh, as far as, you know, whether they're going to, whether Dean Ambrose might lose the belt. Uh, but I guess it speaks to the, to the idea that we had that they might lose these belts pretty soon, you know, if they're having a title match on SmackDown. Right. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the tag titles go away, um, you know, to the Usos and then, um, something that I really enjoyed on Raw, and I, I know we're not going to talk too much about it at all, was um, the fact that uh, the Wyatt family stepped up, had a match against you know legit contenders in the division and the primetime players, and you know so you already have the Wyatt family stepping up in the division, getting some credibility instead of just beating randomly paired jobbers or whoever you want to say. Right. right. So, I mean, there's also the there's always the possibility that at Battleground you have the Wyatt family versus the Usos for the tag titles. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, and yeah, overall, just the the tag division um, is looking up. I mean, we're getting at least probably one tag match a show, which is better than it used to be. Yeah. And it's not involving the same team over and over. We're getting mixed and matched. Opportunities like the primetime players and the Whites, so I know you probably really enjoyed that. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that uh, it's not just the tag team champions versus some, you know, random opponent, whether it's you know a contender opponent or whether it's just two people thrown together. I, you know, I, I like the fact that you have a match like the primetime players against the Wyatt family because, to me, that's what a division is all about. It's not just one team versus a random dude. It's other teams that want to go up the ladder and get to the top, yeah. and and that's exactly what they were doing. So, Building a resume. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's good stuff there. Um, so, yeah, now that the players have turned face, we at least got two face tag teams. It was a lot of heels for a while there. Um, although I guess three-man band doesn't really count. So right. maybe not too many heels. I don't know. Um, so, speaking of guys that look to be possibly turning, uh, we had a big Miz TV segment with the big show uh, where the Miz wants to call him out. Uh, you know, why would he do that to a living legend, Dusty Rhodes, you know, the, you know uh, giving him the knockout punch, WMD, whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, Miz comes up with a good theory. Um, you know, that they're trying to break you. They feel like if they can break you, they can break anyone. Um, and telling them it's time to step up, you know, like everyone else. And and he went so far as to say, uh, stop letting that castrating witch uh, demean you, which I assume was Stephanie. Yeah, well, she she at least took it that way because uh, that's, when, that's, when uh, that's when her music hit and she showed up. Um, that's when her but, awful, outdated music hit. Right. Well, it could it could be worse. I've heard worse, but uh, 
your point is well taken because uh, there's not too many that are worse. I don't want to say anything because uh, I'm not entirely sure that my front door is locked. Right. I don't know where WWE is on tour right now. Uh, <laughs> They're but, coming uh, to DC soon, aren't they? Uh, probably. Seems like they roll through here every so often. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was I was kind of surprised because, um, I don't know about you, but it, to me it didn't seem like Big Show was reacting um, the same way that he's reacted in past weeks. Um, it almost feels like he's already been broken. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely odd. I mean, once they got to the the conclusion of the segment where he just didn't even hesitate to clock Miz struck me as a, struck me odd as well. You thought maybe he'd think about it for a second, but yeah, the whole time he's not really having much of a reaction. Um, you almost get the the sense that he knew that this was going to happen. He knew that they had told him that you know you're going on Miz TV and you're going to knock him out, right? You know, and that he just didn't have a choice in the matter. So it was like at this point. He wasn't going to have that internal struggle, whereas the other times they just present him with this situation and say, "Now you got to do it," and he has to think about it right then. It's right. like he, like mean, he knew it already. Yeah, I mean, I half expected him to start getting a little emotional when the Miz was doing the build up to it before Steph even showed up. But uh, but yeah, I had the same reaction you did. In fact, I think I think I messaged you right after uh, Big Show did his thing, and I, my reaction was, "Holy shit, Big Show!" Like. Because no. Steph said, go for it, Big Show. Miz turned around, boom, knocked out. No hesitation. Um, I kind of feel like Big Show is uh, three-quarters of the way um, over to uh, Team McMahon-Helmsley, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. I, feel, I feel like he's almost there. This will be his 67th heel turn, I think, right? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, it, it's not like he did something very, very similar to this uh, back uh, with John Laurinaitis, right? I mean, he, uh, you know, he was he was told to, to do something. He got fired. Then, uh, you know, the way he got his ironclad contract was, you know, come back and be a heel. So, yeah. essentially, that's not what he's doing this time, but it's close enough that I kind of say, okay, you know, you... you Hit rewind. You made a few edits, and here we are again. Yeah, that's the big show. Yeah, so, but, but the other part of this segment that I wanted to touch on uh, sure. was when Stephanie came out, and uh, she pretty much just laid into the Miz. Yeah. Uh, you're you're the guy. Go ahead. You're you're the guy we send to uh, to the third the you know the four corners of the earth, and we make you wake up early for radio shows. Yeah, the utility player. Right. That, uh, when there's a radio show interview early in the morning, when there's a new, you know, stride ride opening at the mall, whatever right. she said. A grocery yeah, he's store. He's been hanging that... out in his coldest sack of disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, but she did the same thing that we saw earlier, that they did to Dolph in our truth by saying, you know, nobody likes a superstar who peaks too early. Right. Um. You know, basically calling out the fact that he reached the pinnacle, getting that WWE title and and main eventing WrestleMania, and has literally done dick since. Yep. Um, yeah, no, no, nobody likes a superstar who's uh, pretty good in the ring, really good on the mic, but ends up hurting somebody, so they take him out of the main event. That's what she actually meant. But right. 
So, you know, this, like I said, this all ties in with what we saw earlier in the show, them calling out these superstars on, you know, their careers, basically, that they're not where they need to be. Um, So I feel like, you know, this is the ultimate theme, uh, you know, and that's what they, they were almost explicit about it, saying, you know, we were proud of you guys for stepping up and, so you know they're they're trying to play mind games with everyone and get everyone to be hungrier and I guess aggressive or you know ruthless aggression whatever it's going to end up being. Right. Um, so it looks like we're seeing that pretty consistently here. So despite how kind of disjointed some of it feels, there is a consistent theme there. I think. Yeah, and and I I think that's a it's a great point that uh, you know they are using a similar tactic on a lot of people, you know, and there's variations on that, but. Uh, uh, and that's kind of why I wish for uh, for our truth they would have you know talked about how he uh, or at least mentioned the fact that he won a world championship elsewhere, um, you know, a decade ago or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I I kind of like it. Um, it'll be interesting to see which of the performers you know six months from now, you know, that maybe didn't step up enough and uh, don't continue to to move forward because I I think. I think uh, Dolph Ziggler, you know, they're they're kind of picking on him, but I think he'll be back in the main event. And our uh, truth, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be main event, but uh, I think this is his opportunity to show whether or not they should, you know, feature him in any way. Right. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, also I, I wonder, you know, we've we've been speculating for a long time that we thought. Survivor Series might be some sort of showdown. Um, and I guess everybody just assumed the Shield would be the ones, you know, making up a team uh, for, you know, the new corporation. But who knows? Maybe they turn some more of these guys along with Big Show and and you know, we don't actually see the Shield competing in that and that, you know, it's more of a, you know, certain superstars have chosen to go to the dark side and other ones are, you know, remaining on the light side, I guess you would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have the potential to have uh, two different Survivor Series matches, one with The Shield and uh, and Randy Orton against a team, you know, perhaps uh, Daniel Bryan and, you know, three others. And then you could very easily have a second one where, I don't know, maybe The Miz turns heel, joins the group, um you know, maybe a few others here and there, and then you could have a second group of guys. Right? Yeah. So. Sure. Could, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways it can go. I mean, we still got Hell in a Cell after Battleground before we even get to Survivor Series. Right. So there's a lot to be done. Uh, speaking of which, we got a lot of topics we want to touch on in the second half of the show. Um, say something about AJ, the uh, situation with CM Punk and Paul Heyman. Um, talk a little bit about the surprise guests on Raw. And we also saw a little interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin that we thought was worth a mention. We'll be right back. <laughs> 